Eat Yourself Better is brought to you by Be Fit Food. Join the Winter 28 Day Challenge and lose between 5 and 10 kilos in just 28 days. Today on the Eat Yourself Better podcast, the youngest and first female driver to win the Australian Rally Car Championship. You need to find that limit because you, you want to be able to always stay just below the limit and if you don't know where it is, then, then how do you know you're, you're close enough? So, It's Molly Taylor. Kate Save and I caught up with Molly and here's how it went. Great. Well, our amazing guest today is Molly Taylor, professional rally driver. We haven't had a rally driver on the podcast before, so we're excited about that. 2016 Australian Rally Champion. Welcome, Molly Taylor. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've been, uh, I always listen to podcasts, but uh, been in isolation. I've had a lot more time to uh, search for some new good ones. Awesome. That's great. And whereabouts are you? It's a cold and rainy day here in Victoria. You're in Victoria as well, right? I am, actually. I. Uh, Grew up in Sydney, uh, but I have been in Melbourne for just over a year now. Ah, nice. How are you? Still acclimatising. It's still acclimatising to the winter. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to be honest, I, I always loved Sydney because there was so much uh, outdoor activity to do, and I never really thought Melbourne had that. But since living here, it's, um, it's fantastic. I live sort of just a bit further out of town, and um, yeah, absolutely love it down here. Oh, yeah. Melbourne prides ourselves on sport. You know, you can, you can just get into the city and walk around and go to the footy and then come back and zip into the city and you know we pride ourselves on getting around and doing lots of sporting events um and look i love rally i I need to watch more rally because it (laughs) is crazy i think too looking from the outside in it is just the most bizarre mental kind of sport when you look at it you're going so fast there's dirt flying everywhere the cars are just (laughs) revving out of going crazy there's speed involved there's two people in the car look like just holding on for dear life just going yeah let's just get around there's flips there's stacks it's it's crazy you're going around cliffs I mean, how did you get into it? Yeah, you, um, you've summed it up pretty well. It's a bit <laughs> mad. <laughs> um, but a pretty good adrenaline rush. Uh, my parents actually were both involved, uh, still are involved, and my mum was actually a four-time Australian champion as a co-driver, so she's the even more wow. crazy one because she sits there with no control over the steering wheel and mm. just, you know, hoping that, that the driver's going to listen to her. Um, so, And that was her profession. So growing up, uh, it was my dad who moved his office home at some point during the year and um you know mum was away in in race cars and and i thought that was pretty normal so i think i had a bit of a skewed view <laughs> from the start <laughs> um but i didn't get involved until i was about 16 and uh, my passion was actually horse riding uh, up until that point and uh, my dad was running a rally school when i was getting my license for the road so he took my sister and me out there just to learn how to drive manual and just learn some car control and driving techniques purely just from a road safety point of view. We wanted us to be mm. good drivers when we got on the road and mm. that was my first time actually being behind the wheel on dirt myself in a rally car and I was like, oh, now now I get it. I, get I understand it what, you know, why you're so addicted to it um, and, yeah, never looked back after that. That's so cool. I mean, having a rally school, <laughs> that's great in the family. <laughs> Uh, but also horse riding, like horse riding is an adrenaline rush as well. I, I mean, I have a really bad experience horse riding. My cousins were into it all the same age when I was growing up and they were mad for horse riding. I was like, yeah, okay. So my uncle took us, took me out with the girls one day and I just held on for dear life as my horse just bolted <laughs> for the fences. Yeah. I ended up, I think I was probably like 10 or something, hanging off this horse. And, oh, man. <laughs> that's yeah, crazy there's no, as well. There's no brake pedal on a horse. And, nope. Uh, yeah, my, my parents actually, they were so much more comfortable watching me rally. 
than than ride a horse. Uh, yeah. for, you know, for that that factor, uh, we've got a lot of safety equipment built into the cars, and and you don't have that on a horse. Yeah. Well, tell us about the driving versus you know what you what your mum did, which was the uh, co-driving. You know, for people who haven't heard or seen rally before, there are two people sitting in the car, and one yeah. uh, speaks the orders on how fast you should take a turn when it's coming up, and the other is the driver who listens and goes, "Yep, okay." Because <laughs> I, and, and why is that so? You know, like I guess people would imagine like, oh, the driver makes all the decisions, right? Like why in rally is there a co-driver? Yeah, so unlike normal forms of, of circuit racing and then, you know, Formula One and supercars and those uh, circuits, we don't actually compete on circuit. So we go out essentially into the middle of nowhere and close bits of forest road and they can be anywhere from five kilometres to 30 kilometres in length and wow. we do a multiple um, stages over the course of two or three days. So a bit like Tour de France or something mm-hmm. like that where you have all these stages mm. that, that add up um, and because you're driving across all this different terrain, it's impossible to learn the track. So the, the pace notes are what is the co-driver. So sitting next to the driver, the co-driver reads out the pace notes and those pace notes are individual to every crew. Mm-hmm. So it's basically whatever interpretation the driver might have of the road so I code my corners from essentially two to six so a six for me is, is like a clock face is pretty straight so a six is is flat out mm. completely um, and a two is a bit like a hairpin um, yeah. so from there you you, you you develop this code which describes the corner ahead and then it's the, the co-driver's job to basically read one note ahead so that you know what the speed of the next corner is coming up and then the, the I guess the, yeah. the target is to try and commit to those corners that are always different, the grip's always different, with the same level of commitment that you would on a circuit like wow. a Formula a One track where you know you know every corner and you know the breaking point. So it, it's a real science and it's a real art and um, yeah, as you say, it's a huge mental thing because you're adapting to everything. Um, and when the co-driver says, it's flat over crest and you're in sixth gear, you know. Okay. <laughs> <hope> it's right. <laughs> How much prep do you get to write those notes? Do you run the course once or are you not allowed to drive it at speed or do you just sort of – how do you how do you create the notes? To make the notes, yeah. So it's um, – we have one day called reconnaissance yep. uh, and essentially we drive the roads in a road car. Uh, so mm-hmm. we've got a Subaru Outback. And we put some, um, some sort of off-road tyres on to give us a bit more um, puncture resistance, I guess, yep. and then we drive along those roads. Uh, twice at 60 kilometers an hour um to, so we have one pass where we'll drive along and and i'll drive and i'll dictate to my co-driver i think this is a six and there's 50 meters to a you know five left wow. he'll write it all down and then we go and do another pass reading it back i make any changes which i normally make a thousand changes <laughs> a co-driver's worst nightmare and that's it then the next time you're hitting it, it it's at 160 and, and you hope that wow. your perception of the speed and the the speed of the corners uh, is right gosh it's yeah it's pretty cool you're all insane. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's fair. And the trust. Do you get a lot of say in picking your co-driver because you're trusting your life with this person? How do they pair you up? How does this bond start? Yeah, it, it's hugely important um, and it's something that it, it's a really interesting dynamic, I guess, because you have to you spend so much time with that person travelling and in the car and, and then you have to trust them with, with your life. So it's very much a individual thing and um, – um, mm. I'm I'm very particular that it's you know ultimately it's my decision who I have in the co 
I'd rather sleep because it has to be that dynamic really has to work. So I've just been incredibly lucky that I've had some, you know, amazing co-drivers and, um, yeah, be very lucky to have, have real pros, but it, it's, it's not easy to find a good one. And you, and you'll find uh, quite often that, um, some co-driver driver parents will stay together for a very long time because yeah. it's, you know, when you find that dynamic, it's, it's a bit like a marriage, <laughs> um, yeah, it really has to work. It's important. That's really cool. Oh. It's, it's like a doubles in tennis sort of thing. We just we're gonna the Woodies. We'll stay together because it's working, and this <laughs> yeah, is great. We yeah. trust each other, and we know each other inside out. That's great. What, what got you hooked? The adrenaline? Yeah, I think for me, just the the sensation of driving a car on gravel and, and sliding it up to corners yeah. is just it's just really fun. <laughs> um, and then you know you throw in in the the challenge of it, and and just that you know there's always things to improve. You, you never do a perfect job, so there's always something to improve on. And then the the camaraderie and, and the teamwork and it's just something I think because it's so difficult and, and such a buzz you know you really get hooked and then you're surrounded by people that have that same passion so it's it's sort of this self-perpetuating um, bubble I guess that we we live in that um, probably does look a bit mad from the outside yeah. but but yeah just this that that continual challenge and that buzz when you do get it right is just I've never found it anything that you know compares to that yeah. and you'd have to have a pretty strict routine around like your your training and your food and what you do if you're working yourself up to these two to three days sort of um, competitions how do you structure that do you have a routine yeah so I mean actually now with the whole isolation things probably the first time I've had a, a routine in I can remember because we're normally on the road all the time but yeah it's definitely because you're making so many decisions you know critical decisions um in a really sort of high pressure environment and, and there's no air conditioning inside the cars and it can get incredibly mm. hot it's not that the physical loads aren't huge sort of at a time but when you're going for three days and you're under that pressure and, and it's a lot of up and down so you've got to be able to switch on and then switch off and then switch on and switch off so the the mental endurance you need is, is incredibly high and that's where the, the mm. physical training comes into it because you need to be able to get through those days without feeling physically fatigued at all because at the moment you start to feel tired then then you don't concentrate as much and you make a mistake or you drop off the pace so um and being being difficult to you know get into forests and um and practice in the car being able to train outside of the car is, is the most common way I can prepare. So um, there's definitely, you know, a routine of training uh, that does change when you're on the road, but, um, you know, it, it's really important. And, and same with the, the nutrition side of things as well. Obviously, you need to have – you can't have sugar highs and, and sugar lows um, throughout yeah. the day because that's <laughs> going to have a huge, huge impact. I, I, I really enjoy that whole side of things. Um, actually, when I left school, I got my certificate four in fitness. So I've always had an interest in, in, in that side, And um, but my co-driver, He's the only person I know that has worked out how to live off sugar without a crash, and it's going to catch up with him at some point. Which I don't know how he does it because it could catch up with you as well. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I don't worry. I keep, I, um, I keep a steady eye on it, but um, yeah, it, it's bizarre. But that's not me, definitely not. And so, what is a day? You were going to say the same. A day yeah. in your life, like food and exercise wise. What are you eating, and how are you training? Maybe run us through um, a norm, run us through a normal day in your life when you're just training, and then run us through a race day. I'd love to hear what happens on a race day. Yeah, so I mean, all, every day is is different, which is is what I love. But I guess you know, at the moment when I'm in a bit of a routine, um, I uh, like to get up and train first thing. Um, you know, I I enjoy doing it in the morning. You feel better, and also 
it means the opportunity to not do it has gone for the rest mm-hmm. of the day. Um, so yeah, n- normally train breakfast. My my current rotation is uh, oats and banana and yogurt or eggs. Swap, swap between them. Um, and yeah, I, lunch is changes a lot of as well. But you know, it's usually some form of salad or something with veggies and and then some kind of protein or um, rice and stuff like that. And, and a similar thing for dinner. Um, have been in in isolation. It's, it's obviously great to be able to have time to pair. And at the beginning of the year, one, a friend of mine is a, a sports dietitian, and I I did a bit of work with her just to to learn a bit more about the nutrition side and, and get a bit nerdy about all the science. So it's actually been a good opportunity now for me to put that into practice and, and experiment with things and, you know, work on a bit of a meal plan and, and find ways as well when I'm travelling to be be smart about what you do because, good. you know, be quite often I'll be on events that you'll be eating in a restaurant three times a day. Mm. You know, you'll have the hotel breakfast and then you'll be out somewhere and have to get lunch on the run and then everyone goes to a restaurant for dinner and you're doing that for a week. Mm. So to be able to, yeah. Be a bit more knowledgeable about how to make that work is, yeah, something that I'm working on for sure. And ha- have you had an episode where perhaps you've eaten the wrong thing prior oh, to the race? And, yeah. <laughs> and Hopefully not always prior to the race. Um, but, yeah. yeah, definitely, I mean, one of the, the sort of, I, I guess, difficult things that I've always found is, yeah, being consistent when you're travelling and, and sometimes, mm. you know, you try too hard and then you just inevitably at some point go off screw it and then go the opposite way yeah. so so that's something that definitely I um is a challenge but yeah on event uh for sure if you um you need to obviously have a lot of slow release carbs and and, and you know not having too big a meal at any one time um, because you mm. don't want to have that that dip so I'll always yeah, try and have a, a decent sized breakfast even if I don't always feel like it try and limit the coffee so I'll have maybe a coffee in the morning but but definitely not having more than that trying to to not rely on the caffeine until I really need it, and then in my in the rally car, I've got a little a little bag that the, the, the team um, have put in it. It's cable tied to the side of the roll cage in the car, and it's like nice. a little snack bag. <laughs> snack bag. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which yeah, I have you know more things like I actually yes, have what's uh, in your blue snack dinosaur bag? bars. Um, oh yeah, blue dinosaur is a sponsor. Of my, yeah, so I, I take they've got yeah. these little bites that um, I put in sometimes you know like a gel or, or lollies or something like that, just as like a backup emergency but generally trying to have something that that you can snack on in between and, and my co-driver actually he always has a bag of skittles and a red bull so if if, if it's getting you know the hand if of it's, yeah if it's <laughs> if it's really desperate we've got we've got all the levels i can start really well organized and um yeah if it goes to there it goes to there but um have yeah you, trying to have consistent. you worked out the spot in the in your notes where you can have a little snack <laughs> <laughs> There's no six turns coming up or whatever. Oh, yeah, we'll just eat yeah, Skittles exactly. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my, my co-driver knows that, yeah, that, that there needs to be snacks within reach yeah. mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, Your co-driver sounds hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He Actually, we um, we were in a rally last year and it was, it was getting – right to the pointy end we had one stage to go and we basically had to have a massive push and I didn't think I was I was positive going yeah we'll give it everything but you know I can't see how we're going to make up 18 seconds or whatever we needed to make up oh it's just not possible and and he was just yes it is yes it is don't say that Ooh. and then uh, and, um, and then he uh, pulls out of the side his Red Bull and cracks it open oh, <laughs> he's nice, like yeah. here you go and yeah we, we, we got the time we needed to get so, um, so you yeah, got maybe that's our... <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so Good. So run us through a race day. You know, what, what happens on race day? I think a lot of people would um, who might not have seen rally before, you know, you, you get this big F1 thing, you know, there's pit day, there's qualifying, there's all, every, all the crowd gathers. What, 
what's the you know what's the um the vibe like down on the start of this gravel forest road <laughs> on a race day? Yeah, it, it, it's bizarre. It's, it's um so in in the morning we essentially we have a service park which is our base, kind of like the pits. Yep. For circuit racing, um, so we go there in the morning and um, have a, a short service, so our crew can prepare the car. We choose what tires we want to go out on, and all those sort of things, and then we essentially leave the service park and drive out to the stages so it could be could be 15 minutes could be an hour's drive um and then you know that that moment i guess you see in formula one and and circuit racing where you know everyone's on the grid and there's all this buzz it's just us two you know kicking stones (laughs) at the side of the road going yep we're starting in five minutes Um, so it's yeah so it you know it's really just kind of you two are the the lone rangers out there for a few Mm. hours and you'll do a a group of stages then you'll come back at lunchtime for another service so that's where the, the crew will have a you know 30 or 40 minutes to to do any work on the car and then you go back back out and, and repeat it and, and do that over the course of a few days so it's um yeah obviously in the service park it's kind of like the hub and, and you'll yep. have spectators and people from the pits but by that time you know the adrenaline as soon as you've crossed the, the finish line of a stage and you've had an awesome stage and, <laughs> and maybe you've won the stage it's you know <laughs> there's yeah. not the crowd they're waving at that point it's yeah, just going, you know your co-driver yeah yeah well, um, so, um, you yeah, see these so. wild and crazy videos on youtube or whatever that circulate sometimes on um social media that there are fans that you know like the Tour de France sort of thing if we can liken it to that a little bit this stage there are people sort of lined at points sometimes along the track Um, do you get a little bit of that and then you see these wild and crazy images of a little jump sort of thing and the rally cars going up and everyone's (laughs) just right there seems like a really crazy spectator sport if you're going to park yourself on a gravel road dirt flying everywhere (laughs) cars going yeah yeah, um, we we get the the best and most committed fans because Yeah, you have to drive out to the forests and um, they do yeah. have designated spots where you can watch the action. So wow. we only, you know, see them for for a second. Yeah. But um, my co-driver is actually really good. We'll, we'll get to the end of the stage and he'll say, oh, did you see so-and-so? Or did you see that person do that? And, I mean, I wow. was like, I have, you know, just blocked it all yeah. out. But he's, um, yeah, <laughs> he picks up everything. I'd love to ask, what does your heart rate do over a race? Because I'm sure you've worn a heart rate monitor at some point. <laughs> what what happens? <laughs> yeah, I actually um, I did it for quite a few rallies. I wore a, a proper heart rate monitor because I wanted to for my training to sort of work out yeah. what zones I'm, I'm in. Um, so I generally on a on a good stage, I'm probably mm. around 145 to 150. Um, wow. is the average or somewhere in the 140s and it's actually quite interesting if I look back and, and think oh that stage didn't go that well most of the time my heart rate was you know in the 130s or high 120s so mm. um, yeah which was and interesting to me. And the having an impact too do you find yeah if it's really warm then you're going to have a much higher heart rate or? Yeah certainly it would be you know in up to you know 150 plus mm. which for, for me is quite my heart rate I tend to have to very difficult for it to <laughs> to get um, super high, so it's that's fairly um, fairly decent. Um, mm. And and yeah, so it, it, it's interesting how um, you know for me, I was able to use that as a bit of a guide for my training, but also when I'm on event to know that this is the the zone where I perform my best. So I know if I'm a bit too relaxed or my heart rate's a bit too low, I know that I'm not necessarily in my sort of peak zone for performance, so I can try and 
do some star jumps on the side of the road before I get into the car or, <laughs> or do something like yep. that to try and, you know, get myself a bit more awake. Um, so it's been really useful. What cardio training do you do outside of the rally driving? Is there strength, cardio? What's a program look like for you? Yeah, so at the moment it, it's about six days a week um, and then mm-hmm. I do a fair bit of um, strength and conditioning work, which I really enjoy. Um, it's prob- I probably do a bit more than uh, a male driver would, but in mm. saying that it, it's not a huge level of, like it's a very attainable level of strength um, that they need. I just sort of make sure that I'm, I've definitely got that covered. There's been a couple of times where we've lost power steering or something like that, so I want to make sure that I can, oh. um, yeah, I can manage that. Um, <laughs> and then from a, a cardio standpoint, my partner and I actually do a lot of mountain biking, so that's how that's how enjoyable um, the activity, which we can't do at the moment, so can't wait for that. But also road biking and, and running are, are the go-to things. Um, with the combination of yeah, some interval work and then also just some some longer endurance sessions. Wow, super bit of everything. Fit. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. And all like mountain biking itself is a terrifying sport. <laughs> if you fall oh, off at high speeds, <laughs> um, and have you, have you? Oh, had those moments with the with the rally car driving have you had some pretty scary moments yeah yeah I think it's um you know it's a part of any anything that you pursue you're going to make mistakes and and learn from them and that that's the really important part and if you're not making those mistakes then you're not pushing the envelope and learning but I guess Mm. in a a rally context it's just you know some of the consequences are pretty severe when you do make Mm. those mistakes you know there's a lot of famous drivers that have you know known for saying you know or they'll ask a young drive you know how many times they've crashed and if they say no then you know you're not going fast enough yet you need to you need to find that limit because you you want to be able to always stay just below the limit and if you don't know where it is then then how do you know you're, you're close enough so yeah wow. certainly a few crashes um I hit a milestone that if you type my name into Google, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but, you know, it brings up the, <laughs> the, the most recent or the most common searches. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think now Crash has made up the uh, the most common searched items. I'm oh, so wow. just searching um, it right now. Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll find a couple of corkers. Videos. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, I wanted to talk to you about um, women in sport. You know, I think over the past but it's few years we've – done a good things there's been good things happening like in the AFL the the women's um, competition has has um, flourished and grown and it's great and it's even great to see more women in roles that m- even in commentary and etc etc et but you are a trailblazer in rally you're the first Australian female driver to win and the youngest to win the Australian rally championship you obviously had a huge inspiration with your mother but it, has there been other inspirational women in your life who've um, and you know and, and what kind of moments have you experienced and and I'm sure you're a, an inspiration to others. How has that been a part of your life so far? Yeah, I mean, obviously my mum, as, as you said, for me I think the really important thing there was when I when I was younger I didn't see as it's, you know, something I had to prove or something that I was being particularly brave to go and pursue because I that perception had never really registered for me during my experience growing up. Um, so I think that was, yeah, I guess the what made me comfortable to start it in the first place and then obviously you realise you love it and then the passion takes over from there and I've also found a huge inspiration from a French driver called Michel Mouton who uh, came very close to to winning a world championship and won a world championship rally and, and she used to drive for Audi back in the 80s when they were the, the most famous era of, of rally cars and they were literally fire-breathing monsters and it was incredibly tough to drive and, and she was just... 
um, yeah, so determined and, and so um, capable that it, she's just hugely inspirational. So I think, yeah, for, for me to, to watch her compete at that top level and, and just be really matter-of-fact and just about doing the job, which is something that I've always taken from my mum as well, those were, the, uh, I guess, the big inspiration and the thing that um, I always tried to emulate. So then, you know, obviously there are times when I first moved overseas, I think there were certainly moments where I had to work harder to prove myself where everyone wanted to see how the girl went type of thing and then you got the you know a bit more of that that pressure but i i think once you can get through that and the beauty of of rallying is that it's it's the the times that tell the story so i think as soon as i luckily when i went over i had a couple of good results early on so that kind of broke down a lot of that and i think it's it's one of those things that once you get in amongst it the respect for the job you're doing and and how you go about it and your attitude speak more than anything else so it's it's often how it looks from the outside is is sometimes quite different to what it's like on the inside and and for the large majority Mm. it's just an awesome community and and everyone supports you know if if you're good and and you're you know they're doing it for the right reasons then then no one cares any more about who you are or or what gender mm. you are. So those, yeah, I've just always tried to um, to do it like that and, and, and do it because I love it, not because I want to prove or show anything yeah. more than that. But then I've also now been really privileged to meet some young girls that have come to rallies. Um, and I think it sort of took me back a bit at first because I, I I suppose, you know, for them to be able to see a female doing it professionally is showing what my mum showed me. Yeah. So, yeah, something I never really thought about, but it's kind of cool when you see it work in the reverse as well. And the Pinnacles, the World Rally Championship, you had an experience with the, the WRC, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I, when I went to England and then I, I got a scholarship with Pirelli for the essentially what was the Junior World Championship. So I did the Junior World Championship for a couple of years, mm-hmm. which was, yeah, still easily some of my highlights. And unfortunately, it, you know, it's a bit like a lot of, uh, well, all the motorsports, it's um, you need the talent and you, and you need the money. And um, yeah. we were, yeah, in the middle of gearing up for a full Junior World Championship season in 2015 and, and all the sponsorship fell through. And, you know, at the time I was obviously absolutely gutted, but then the, the Subaru opportunity came to you know, do it professionally. So so I guess, you know, it's a bit serendipitous how it all works. But <laughs> uh, yeah, essentially to get for now, if, if I wanted to, to get into the world championship right now, it would it would uh, be a few million dollar investment I would need to find from somewhere. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. yeah. What kind of support do you get from uh, the Australian government, like, do you get through AIS or anything like that? Is there any sort of sponsorship there? Uh, when I when I first went to the UK, they had a Australian um, Rising Star program, mm-hmm. so I got a small amount of support from that program, and that that was really huge for me because that that's what gave me, you know, at least a little bit to start with to make the move over there and then try and bring everything else together. Um, there's not those that program itself isn't running at the moment, so there's nothing sort of institutionalized like that at the moment. We're, we're obviously trying to 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 bring up more initiatives like that um but yeah a lot of it's yeah down the sort of corporate and commercial lines um but the the FAA which is the the world governing body for motorsport is actually putting together some programs to help facilitate more pathways for juniors so hopefully we'll see that grow and a few more opportunities be there in the next few years for for the next range of juniors amazing 
And so I, I guess is there a highlight? So obviously being the first female Australian rally champion, that's, you know, that makes the, the big headlines. But is there, has there been a highlight, like one thing that if you could go, this is what I hang my hat on, this is what, you know, I absolutely loved doing and enjoyed about your career in rally, rally driving, what would you say that is? Oh, gosh, yeah, it's very hard to to pinpoint one thing. Um, so yeah, certainly the, the championship is, is, you know, it has been a, a lifetime dream, but there's also mm. been moments like in um, – 2014 I was competing in the junior world championship and we came third in rally Finland mm. which is, is is like the sort of Monte Carlo of yeah. rally oh, wow. it's the, the biggest event um, so to be able to be on the podium um, in the junior WRC is yeah for, for me something that's probably yeah one of if yeah. not yeah the highlight um, yeah it's been on the podium and, and Tommy Mackinnon who's a, a very famous multiple oh, yeah. multiple world champion mm-hmm. um, he was presenting the trophies so, so to have good. someone oh. yeah like an idol sort of shake your hand was yeah. um, pretty <laughs> surreal and um, I've still got that trophy in is that when you knew you made it or what was is that that I've made it is that that moment for you i think it's it's just a you know in some ways almost a a bit of relief because you're you're trying to sort of prove you you're fast enough and you you deserve to be there and to be able to go over the the whole course of the rally and be competitive and and to end up with the podium it's just so many things have to go right for that to to happen Mm. so i think for me it was a bit it was a bit of a tick like, oh, I, I am good work. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You just you try and all the time, and it's it just it, it goes wrong so much more than it goes right. Yeah. So just yeah, it's almost a bit of a relief, and you're like, oh, it is possible. Yeah, yeah. 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 I try to do it again. That's the hard bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and bigger and better. Um, what about yeah. the what about the the coming down off this adrenaline? I do. I'm a performer, and I, I it's a, it's totally different. But there is this adrenaline rush when you've, yeah. you've been in front of an audience, you've made them laugh, you've made them cry, whatever it is, and it's it's similar. It's same. It's the same um, uh, thing that's running through post rally depression. Body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what is it? What happens? You know, like what what do you yeah. do? What's kind of mindfulness things do you do? What do you go out and just have a drink? Like what is it? What's what's that? <laughs> Definitely the Sunday night celebrations. If we have a good rally, the Sunday night celebrations are probably, you know, one of the very few occasions I might have a drink. Um, But, yeah, it always is the Monday. It's the weirdest feeling because it's just – it's so intense and Mm. there's so much happening and – yeah, then it's like someone pops the bubble and it's just – it's the opposite. It's so (laughs) still and quiet and – but, yeah, definitely out to get some some fresh air and and, and trying to – you know, maybe sit down and, and do a debrief as, as soon as possible and, and sort of close it off and, and work out what's the next steps. And then, um, yeah, other than just sort of being in this, yeah, I guess I can feel a bit lost, I suppose. Yeah. And, and it's, it's definitely a thing. And, yeah, my co-driver and I, my, actually my co-driver when I was living in the UK, um, yeah, we would yeah, always text each other next week, you know, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> We're still in there. Um, still there. But I think, yeah, and I, one of the probably – the, the biggest things for me in, in coping with all of that sort of stuff was um, in 2017, the year after we won the championship, we were leading the championship again and we're about to go back to back. Um, and we had an amazing year and, and I think sort of stepped up and we're doing our best performances. And, and after we won in 2016, that was such a buzz and um you know we got interviewed on the project and there were a whole lot of more mainstream media outlets that were suddenly interested in rallying and this story and then the, the next year we almost went back to back but the engine blew up on the final oh, no. the, the end of the second last day of the final round and all we had to do was sort of get to the finish we had such a good lead 
and it was yeah it was such a contrast and and even though up until that point our performance had probably been better than the year before because you didn't have the you know the fancy title even though everything you'd physically done would be the same or better um no one cared at all so it's like you know the next day the the phone doesn't ring nothing happens and and it was a bit of a a wake-up call i think for me that it's um you're always chasing that success but it has to be something that that you measure for yourself rather than than all the other Mm. stuff because otherwise you're going to be continually disappointed if you're always looking for outside sort of praise and stuff then yeah you can find yourself in a bit of a hole i guess (laughs) you need to yeah yeah you and your co-driver your team just need to tick the boxes along the way and hey look you were so close and like you said perform better no one's going to write that story though it's a it's the harsh reality of um (laughs) yeah of of the media and and the world really so uh, just some rapid fire questions here before we let you go what is your favorite food my partner and i were actually having this debate the other day (laughs) I came down to a short list of apples, peanut butter, and sweet potato. Oh, wow. <laughs> like all together in I, a sandwich? Or? Uh, well, you know, why not? Um, yeah, I suppose I'll do it. Um, yeah, that, that was, that's, yeah. Sweet potato. Peanut butter's a pretty good one. It's right up there. Oh, I do love that. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. which type of peanut butter? Do you hear the natural, the craft, the crunchy, what sort of peanut smooth. butter? I, yeah, I, yeah the, the all-natural smooth peanut butter. Mm. But then in saying yeah. that, I do have about three or four different types and almond butter as well. Yeah, any yeah we're the ones same. ones that all mix together. All yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. ABCs. Yeah, yeah all of them. All so good. good. Peanut butter on toast with butter oh. as well. Oh, oh no, no. See, no? I can't do that. What? No, <sighs> no. no My kids don't do that butter. either, just yeah. peanut butter. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I prefer it just out of the jar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that. Or on apples. So on apples, yeah, it's a good yeah. What about yeah. Uh, a drink? It can be alcoholic, non-alcoholic, just your favourite beverage. Oh, a cup of tea. A cup of tea. <laughs> what kind? <laughs> English breakfast or a yeah, look, herbal? E- English breakfast. Um, but, yeah, again, I think I have I should have steaks in tea too, the amount of uh, different boxes of, uh, <laughs> yeah. I can have 10 cups of tea a day and, and not drink the same flavour and do that probably for a whole week. Love that. Well, you do, wow. you do have a, a British connection, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, what are you watching, Netflix or otherwise, or te- oh. television or, you know, any of the streaming services? Yeah, um, we've just finished watching the Formula One Netflix, which is amazing. Nice. Um, mm. I just started watching No Activity, a comedy on oh, yeah. Stan, which yeah, I'd, I'd never comedy. seen. Yeah, yeah. So mm. I'm only like two episodes down with that, but it's, yeah, it's quite amusing. Nice. That's funny. <laughs> so enjoy yeah, that. Um, and also cool. I found a TV show on SBS. Yep. Called Eight Out of Ten Cats Do Countdown, which has been around for years and years, so and good. I think we've got yeah, they're like years old repeats. But I don't know how I didn't know about it. So, um, yeah, seven thirty every night. Jimmy Carr, just yeah, it's brilliant. being an idiot. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. What is it next for Molly Taylor? I mean, we've been trying to win another Australian championship for a couple of years, so that's um, yeah, that, that's on the cards. But also, I've been trying to pursue a few more um, driving gigs overseas. So, was working on all of that, and 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 now in the current situation, everything's up in the air. So, uh, hopefully, when that that'll kicks off again, um, there'll be a few opportunities to yeah, just try and um, keep trying new things, keep keep trying new challenges. And then I'm also doing a couple of things outside of the the car as well, doing some um, pit lane reporting. I just signed up to do my MBA, which nice. seemed like a good idea at the time. That? 
Well, we can't wait to see you win another Aussie championship. That'd be great. And seeing you overseas would be excellent as well. Your Instagram feed is also great for an insight into your life. Uh, there's lots of cars on there. You working out. There's heaps of things. That's Molly underscore Rally. Uh, so follow along there. It's great to have you on the show. Really, it is. An Aussie champion. How good's that here on Oh, thanks, thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, the podcast has been um, – I've been loving listening to it. So thank you. We love to hear people's, you know, favourite foods and what they get up to, and it's great. Yeah, thank you for I joining us today. Yeah, I <laughs> It is a bit weird, isn't it? It's like I know, it's really <laughs> peanut butter, apple and sweet potato. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when you talk to the people, you've got to pretend that you don't know all these really detailed uh, <laughs> bits of information about them. <laughs> Oh. Well, you certainly well. got it all together. Thanks, Molly. <laughs> Thank you. Eat Yourself Better is brought to you by Be Fit Food. Join the Winter 28 Day Challenge and lose between 5 and 10 kilos in just 28 days.